Good morning, everyone. Morning. It's lovely to see you today. Apologies. You know that moment when you turn the heating off and then it gets cold again? <laughs> That's what's going on in the room this morning. Apologies. It will warm up, but I can see some of you still got your coats and scarves on. So, uh, yeah, it's going to warm up. It'll be okay. Um, now, the first thing that I did this morning was, um, was I opened up my Bible. It's, it's how I start every day. It's probably the best habit that I've ever got into. Um, and I, I don't know what you're like, but sometimes I can get so easily distracted by other things, um, whatever might pop up on my phone if it's too close to me when I wake up, or um, by what other kind of needs might present themselves in the morning. Intentionally, I'm, I'm choosing to fix my eyes on Jesus, or in the words of Pastor Charles, who was here a couple of weeks ago, rather than opening up Facebook, I choose to put my face in the book. I can't take any credit for that, but I do like it. So um, one of the best tools that I've found um, for engaging with the Bible is the Bible in one year. You may have come across it. You may have even done it yourself. Um, it's great because you can listen or read to it via an app on your phone, or there's even a paper version, I'm told. Um, you get a chunk of both the Old Testament and New Testament, as well as a psalm or a proverb. And then you get this great kind of... Um, unpacking by a guy called Nicky Gumble. He was previously the uh, vicar at HDB in London, uh, did a lot of work through Alpha and things like that as well. Um, and it's helped me to read the Bible through on, on more than one occasion, and I'm really grateful for it. Now, in one of these readings that um, Nicky Gumble shares a story of a six-year-old girl called Hattie Mae Wyatt. Um, she's a girl who lived in Philadelphia at the end of the 1800s, um, close to a church called Grace Baptist Church. Now, one day, their kids' groups were really crowded, and this concerned Hattie Mae. So she spoke to the church minister, who told her that one day they would have buildings big enough to allow everyone to attend. Sadly, two years later, Hattie Mae passed away. And after the funeral, Hattie's mother gave the minister a little bag that they had found snuck underneath pillow. It contained 57 cents in change that she had saved up. And alongside it, there was this note that she'd written that said to help build bigger so that more children can go to Sunday school. Now, rather than just discarding those 57 cents or putting it in the bank or something, the minister changed all the money into pennies and offered each one of those for sale. And for those 57 cents, he raised $250. And 54 of those cents were given back. Now, the, the $250 was itself changed into pennies and then sold on and on and to the newly formed um, society called the Wyatt Might Society. And so what happened was these 57 cents just kept on multiplying. And 26 years later... The minister explained in a talk the results of this 57-cent donation. There was a church with a membership of over 5,600 people. There was a hospital where tens of thousands of people had been treated. 80,000 young people had been helped through university. 2,000 people went out to preach the gospel. And all this happened because Hattie Mae Wyatt invested her 57 cents. I just think this is a wonderful example of how God takes the little that we have. 
He multiplies it and he uses it for his glory. And it's a theme that we see running throughout the Bible. The things that we might not be able to imagine in our own little minds. But when God takes hold of them, he multiplies what we give and does remarkable things. So today we're continuing our series we've entitled Radical Generosity. Um, and we saw it in that, we see it in that beautiful story of that little girl's radical generosity that impacted the lives of so many people. And we see it too as we are invited into a life of radical generosity. And I believe each one of us is invited to take a step today. So if you're here and you're exploring faith, um, you're really, really welcome. But my, my prayer is that you will see something of the incredible life of generosity that Jesus, who gave up everything, longs for you. And if you've been following Jesus for longer, then equally my prayer is that each one of us will take a step towards this life of radical generosity. Now this morning we're going to read from the book of Exodus, right at the beginning of the Bible. Um, so we're going to read from chapter 36 and read a few verses from there. Um, but I just want to give us some context before we get there. We've, we've ha- we find Moses, he's this great Old Testament leader. He had gathered all God's people together. And as they faced this huge task of building the tabernacle, the place of worship to God, in chapters 33 to 35, we see how he invites the whole community to come together to pray and to worship together. And then how everyone was invited to give from what they had with a further invitation to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze. They worshiped, they prayed, and they brought to the Lord what they had. I'd love to pray for us just as we look at these words together, and then I'm going to read the first seven verses of that chapter. Lord, I thank you so much for your outrageous, radical generosity towards us. And I pray that as we read these verses, you would invite us into an adventure with you. So I pray these words would come alive. These words would speak truth into our lives today. And just I pray that we just ignore anything that I add, but just we just pray that your words would speak for themselves. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So we're going to read the first seven verses of Exodus chapter 7. I'm going to try and get these names right. Okay, so pray for me. So um, Bezalel and... See, I knew it was going to be a struggle. I've read it out, but it just doesn't come. Oh, Aholiab, yes, we'll go with that. And every skilled person to whom the Lord had given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work of constructing the sanctuary are to do the work just as the Lord has commanded. Then Moses summoned Bezalel and Aholiab and every skilled person to whom the Lord has given ability and who was willing to come and do the work. They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning. So all the skilled craftsmen who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left their work and said to to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order and they sent the word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. 
And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they already had was more than enough to do all the work. It's good. So um, I want to take a couple, a couple of weeks ago, we ran something called Riverside Vineyard Essentials. If you've not been along to it before, I'd urge you to be a part of it. And I, I love being part of um, a, just a great morning of being able to help connect people with people who are wanting to connect with our church family. Um, and what's wonderful is just being able to hear a little bit about other people's stories and help them find ways towards connecting with others at Riverside. Um, and during the morning, one of the things that we do is we show um, a short film that was made as our building right here in Felton was opened. This was back in March 2005. Um, and before that, we didn't have our own home. Now, I'm not going to spoil the whole thing, because if, if you have seen it, then you'll know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, then get yourself to the next essentials. Um, but what the, one of the things that the video shows is that where we are sat right now, there was just concrete on the ground. There was concrete, there was no building here, there were no walls, there were no roof, there was no roof or anything. The reality, what happened was a whole bunch of people that came before us, gave their time, gave their money, their skills, blood, sweat and tears to ensure that there is a seat with your name on today. A room for your kids to have fun and to meet with Jesus. Now, Kathy and I um, first turned up here on a Sunday about six months after that. I remember sitting about where Manish is right now, just over there. Um, and we just recently got engaged. And I remember watching this for the first time a few weeks later. And I'm not, I don't often cry, but this was one of those moments I just felt like, wow. Like, I was just blown away by what others had done to make room for me, but to make room for us, to make room for the family that we hope that one day we might have. And we, ha we have, we're really blessed with that. And, and I'm truly grateful for how Rick and Lulu, our founding pastors, and, and the people of Riverside Vineyard were so obedient and gave extravagantly to ensure that we would have a space to be welcomed into. A space where we, almost we take for granted, but we get to come here every Sunday. We get to worship. We get to pray. We get to hear God's word together. A place where so many have come to faith. A place where many have been baptized as a demonstration of that commitment to Jesus. A place where kids and young people have a space where they are loved despite what's going on in the world and, and all that is out there to attack them. What we give to God is multiplied beyond what we could ever hope for in the ordinary. Now, 18 years on since we started worshipping in this building, I believe the Lord is continuing to invite us to lead lives marked with extraordinary generosity. He's building his church to reach the old and the young, the last, the lost, and the least. And he wants to do it not on his own, but he wants to do it by partnering with each one of us. And that's a remarkable thing. He could, he could do it all on his own, but he loves it when we get to do this together. So what does this passage tell us about being a community that is marked by extraordinary generosity? I believe the first thing it shows us is that everyone gets to play. Now, if you've been around the vineyard for like two minutes, you'll know this is something that we talk about a lot. 
And we passionately believe that everybody gets to play. You may have been part of a church in the past where you think it's just the vicar and that's it. You know, that's the, that's the only person that gets involved. But it's not down to the few of us. It's down to all of us playing and taking our part. In, Exodus, in the Exodus passage we read, we see how everybody got involved in serving. The words everyone and all appear many times in and around these verses that we read. You know, we are called, like the people of Exodus, to, um, to pray and to play together. And there's something special when we, when we pray together. I love how we, we pray um, together as a church at different times during the month. There's, maybe there's other expressions too. Maybe there's, the Lord is stirring something in you just to, to be getting down on your knees and just praying in this moment. Maybe that's something for you. But we also pray as we worship. So many of the songs that we sing enable us to pray as we're doing that. We ask for God to do again what he did before. We ask him to make us clean, to heal us, to free us, to lead us in love to those around us. And those things are all part of our prayer. But we also play. We all get involved. In the passage, we see that it was entirely voluntary. All who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. We read in in chapter 35. And, and then, for example, we see how everyone who had acacia wood brought it. So if you have something, bring it. You know, we bring food into, into this place to feed those in need, don't we? Every skilled woman spun with her hands, we read in verse 25 as well. Many of us, I believe, have sat on the fringes of church life. And I, I sense there's just an invitation for us to play, to be a part of what's going on here. It's an invitation, I think, for those that perhaps have not joined a team yet to be part of a team, bringing what each of us have to bless others. The way that it works at Riverside being part of a team is you, you serve one Sunday a month, and then three Sundays a month, other people serve you. And that's a really great way to do it, isn't it? So everyone gets to play. If you're not part of a team, go and have a chat with someone at the Connect area. We would love to help you to do that. Now, the second way a community here is marked by extraordinary generosity. It's one where everyone uses their gifts. So each of us has been wired uniquely. You bring something that I can't, and I bring something that you can't. You know, we work together. We all have something to bring. In the building of the tabernacle, a key role was played by the two artists whose names I'm not going to repeat right now, but you know who they are, right? So they were filled with the Spirit to make artistic designs and to teach others to do the same. They had incredible gifting. They used their gifts. And they used their skills and ability to do the work. In verse 1, we read that every skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work of constructing the sanctuary are to do the work. So the people to do the work are those with the gifting. The people of God were stirred up for God. And the task was achieved by everyone whose heart was roused, whose spirit was freely responsive. You see, if we are to to achieve what God is calling us to do as a community, as a church, we need this multiplication of those who are willing to bring their gifts. It doesn't work when some of us hide and just let others do what they need to do. So I want to ask you this morning, what has God placed inside you? 
What hopes, dreams, and abilities have you allowed to, to just, just sit there? We're all called to use what we have been given. I don't know if you remember the, the parable that Jesus told about the parable of the talents. And in this parable, there are three people who receive talents from their master before he goes away. Two use what is given to them and, 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 and they're multiplied. But there's one who buries their talent deep underground. And when the master returns, he's disappointed with that third person. I believe for some of us, that's what we're doing right now. We're just burying away our talents, what God has given us. God has given you gifts and talents that he wants you to use. And I think some of us have just got in the habit of just letting others do that. Perhaps as we come out of lockdown, it's just been hard. You know, we're, we're three years on, but we still find it hard to get stuck in again, to use the things that, that we have been given. Maybe you've got a guitar that you haven't picked up for three years. Maybe you're an artist. Maybe you're a builder. Maybe you're a drummer. Maybe in the past you, you ran a small group in your home. But right now, the only, left, the only thing that you're holding in your home is a remote control. There is an invitation to use what God has given you today. And to encourage each other as we do that. To spur one another on. To pray, to serve, and to give together. And God will multiply your 57 cents in ways beyond anything that you could ask or imagine. Now, the third thing we see in this passage is that everyone gave generously. See, the tabernacle was not built because of one generous donor. And it's the same with the church. It says that everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work. All who were willing, men and women alike. It's all of us. If our community is to achieve everything that God is calling us to do, all of us need to play our part in giving. Not under compulsion, but like the people of Exodus, willingly and lovingly. We see in the passage that as everyone got involved in giving, they had more than enough. In fact, they were almost complaining to Moses that they had too much. I'd love us to get to that kind of place. And I think that's our hope and our prayer for our church family. People who were, you know, almost they were ordered to kind of like just stop bringing stuff to the temple because there was too much. I don't want everyone to do that. There's always room for more. But God invites us into a life of abundance, a life of radical generosity. So how can we be a part of what God is doing in our community? Now, as Andy shared last week, there is something stirring right now in our kids and our youth. Ash alluded to that as well. That's why we were opening up a worship night for, for those that are younger. We just sense there are things breaking out across, across this nation, across the world right now. And it's, and it's in that generation Z. I'm going to call it Z because that's what it is, right? It's not Z, it's Z. Okay, I'm English, so I'm going to call it Z. So, you know, in that generation, there's something stirring in them. There's a hunger and a thirst for Jesus like, like we've not seen for a long time. And we want to help them to do the very best that they can in a world that is so difficult to live in. So, um, you know, we know that our kids and our youth are growing up in an increasingly godless culture, unsure of their own identity, 
but we know that the Lord is stirring something. And as a church, we are passionate and we've always been committed to our children and our young people. Now, surveys consistently tell us that 80 to 90% of people come to know Jesus before they've even reached the age of 20. It's so important. We long to see them meet with Jesus. We long to see them experience the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives, to see spiritual gifts activated, to see a hunger for them to come and know Jesus. And we love how, you know, we've seen young people part of our worship teams and leading services in our church services. And so we want to intentionally invest in seeing all our young people and our children to flourish. And the good news is we can all be a part of this. So there are two projects that we're really excited to tell you about. The first project is DTI, or Dreaming the Impossible. Um, This is our national youth movement. It's birthed in the vineyard. um, And last summer, there were about 3,000 young people gathered together. um, And we're excited about what the Lord is going to continue to do in that. So hundreds gave their lives to Jesus last summer. Countless others encountered the Holy Spirit. And around 60% of the groups that were there were from outside the vineyard. So it's just an amazing opportunity for us to bless the wider church and the next generation. But the reality is that running a festival costs money. Um, Even without the hindrance of a global pandemic, you know, rudely getting in the way. So we want to generously give to Dreaming the Impossible. We want to create space for the next generation to meet Jesus and to be transformed by his love. So that there's a first invitation to be radically generous for the sake of the next generation. And so we would love to give at least 25,000 towards this project to bless these young people. The second thing that we want to do is we love what the Lord is doing amongst our own kids and young people as well. We see how groups are, are growing. We see the Holy Spirit moving Um, On Easter Sunday, 12 kids at Feltham said yes to Jesus, some for the first time. We we were wanting to multiply groups. We're seeing that happen right now to make more room. 52 new children were added to our our kids' registers between January and Easter. That's a lot of kids, and so we need to create space for these. We've got 11 kids and youth that are learning to uh, guitar for worship, Um, And recently, there was a vineyard um, worship school, um, a youth worship school. We sent six six people there as well. So we're excited about some of these things that the Lord is doing. And yet, you know, in the midst of this, there are many kids and young people who are struggling with additional needs, who are struggling with mental health as well. And so we want to create spaces where our kids and our young people feel safe and feel loved. Um, One of the things that we've been doing is we've been training our team so that we can ensure groups and activities are as accessible as we can. But for many kids and youth, the nature of our activities is that it can all get a little too much. And so we want to create spaces. If we we just jump back a couple of slides, you'll see these rooms um, that we've got here, that we're, we're trying to create these spaces in Feltham, two rooms, one for youth, one for kids, for those with additional needs quiet spaces where they can just relax and just encounter Jesus in a slightly more peaceful way. And in Staines, we want to provide resources to do that as well. We want to take the time to to refurbish and upgrade three young vineyard rooms, including the mums and babies room at the back of the auditorium, 
and an outdoor play area as well. And we, we think this is going to cost us about 25,000 pounds as well. Now, if we raise more than the 25 plus 25 is 50, if we raise more than 50, we want to give away the more to DTI as well. So, and if we remember that last year, what we did, all our gift aid, the money went towards our new site in Staines. Now, to help us to prepare prayerfully for this, puh, 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 too many Ps, um, we have written a letter. So if you're part of one of our small groups or on our teams, you should have received that. Many of you will have picked up a letter last week as well. Um, but we would love everyone who considers Riverside their home to receive a letter. So we've got some in baskets right now. So if, um, I don't know if the venue guys are around just to kind of pass these baskets around as well. Yeah, if you guys can give them a hand, that'd be amazing. So if you haven't got one of these, please grab one as they, as they go past. That is for you to take away to read. In the envelope is a letter that helps us to prepare for the gift day, which is next Sunday. And there's also a response card in there. So as those um, baskets go around, please do grab one. But there's five things that we would love you to do. The first is this. To, firstly, to think and pray about how you can live a radically generous life. You know, you might want to grab one of the generous giving booklets. There are, those are available online, or there's print copies either side of the auditorium. And they just really help us to think biblically about giving. The second thing is take some time to pray about your own regular giving to Riverside. Ask the Lord to speak, listen to him, and trust him by being obedient in doing that. The third thing, this is three out of five, we're getting close to the end. Ask the Lord how you can give over and above your regular giving to the next generation. We want to give a massively generous gift to Dreaming the Impossible and also to resource our kids and youth here. And then next Sunday, please fill out one of the response cards. Bring it with you to a service, either 9.30 or 11.15 here or 10.30 in Staines. And then if you're away, you can send to the office in advance so you can pop that in there. And the final thing, um, could you be a part of the DTI Dream Team? So we need a whole bunch of people that could serve at um, DTI next summer. If you think you'd like to be a part of that, dreamingtheimpossible.org slash team or chat to Dave or any of us you kind of see at the front, you know, we, very, we can help you towards doing that as well. There's a bunch of roles they still need filling. So wherever you are at, we'd love you just to take a step towards being more radically generous in our lives. I just want to land with this, and then I'm going to invite us to stand and pray. And this is, this is, this is something that our pastor and author, Andy Stanley, said. He said, God's extravagant generosity towards us compels us to be extravagantly generous towards others. I'm going to repeat that. I just want to let that sink in. You know, God's extravagant generosity towards us compels us to be extravagantly generous towards others. Others, We serve a God who gave up everything for us, and he invites us into lives of extra extravagant generosity towards others. Mm -hmm.